Welcome to episode number 14 of the Low Angst Library podcast. Today we have an interview with B.L. Maxwell. I'm your resident librarian, Lee Blair. This library is your stop for all things light, fluffy, funny, sweet, spicy, and everything in between. I not only publish low angst queer romances, but I'm a voracious reader of them too. I created this podcast because I wanted to talk to other authors who write romances with main characters who are queer to learn what draws the authors to the lighter side of angst, learn more about their books and their writing processes. First, I want to thank Rebecca Kay for supporting the podcast through Buy Me a Coffee. Thank you so much. If you're interested in contributing to help offset the costs of recording, editing, transcription, and hosting for the podcast, you can buy me a coffee at the link in the show notes. I have been a very, very busy writing bee lately. I've been making tons of progress the past few weeks, dictating on three different projects and working on revisions on another two. It was a quiet five or six months since I released my Christmas book last November on the publishing front with moving and just some other stuff going on. So I feel like I've been cramming in my year's worth of publishing plans into the last half of the year. I'll have some pre-orders posted by the next time an episode airs, the first July episode. So I'll share more about my publishing schedule then. And I am also working on putting together a Christmas in July sale with some other low angst queer romance authors. So stay tuned for that. That'll be really exciting to get a little bit of a Christmas fix in July. I know I am fully prepped and primed to watch Christmas Hallmark movies in July. I am also working on Christmassy bookish stuff. So, you know, you got to get the vibes wherever you can. Now on to my interview with B.L. Maxwell. We talked about how growing up in a very small town influences her stories her fan fiction origins, juggling multiple subgenres, and so much more. B.L. Maxwell grew up in a small town listening to her grandfather spin tales about his childhood. Later, she became an avid reader, and after a certain vampire series, she became obsessed with fan fiction. She soon discovered slash fanfiction and later discovered the MM genre and was hooked. Many years later, she decided to take the plunge and write down some of the stories that seem to run through her head late at night when she's trying to sleep. B.L. Maxwell, thank you so much for hanging out with me in the Low Angst Library. Hi, how are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Good, thanks. Good, excited to chat today. It's great to be here. Thanks again for asking me. Let's jump right into my favorite question. Okay, one of my favorite questions. What got you into <laughs> writing books and writing romance? Normally, when I used to read, I would never read any other time but in the summer because I would really get into reading. So I just wouldn't read books other than the summer. I'd read magazines, short stuff. So I started reading Twilight and I really got into Twilight to where I didn't read anything else for two years. I just read the books over and over. <laughs> I know, which is now I look back on and that was a weird thing, but it's the truth. <laughs> So then after I read that, I started reading fan fiction and I really got into fan fiction. And I slowly went from Edward and Bella to Edward and Jasper. And I just loved that because I had never read anything like that. So I was like, I love this. It's so different. 
a lot of the authors that I read that wrote fan fiction started writing original fiction. So then I started reading their book. And then I had met a really good friend through a fan fiction forum, actually. We're still friends, so it's funny. And she started writing fan fiction. So at one point, just five years ago, about six years ago now, I talked to her and I said, I have an idea for this story. But it was really uncomfortable to me to tell her that because I didn't, I kept thinking there's no way that I can show her when I wrote because I'll be mortified because I had never written anything before. I had never other than like a five paragraph paper in high school kind of thing. And so I wrote it. She encouraged me a lot. She was like, just write it. What's the worst that can happen? And so that was my first book and it was better together. And it was like, once I wrote one, I could not stop writing. So in five years, I think I have 35 books out. Now. Wow, so, that's incredible. Yeah. So it's like it opened. <laughs> once I turned on that part of my brain, I guess, my brain went, oh, you need to write more. <laughs> oh, that's so cool. And it's, uh, I don't know if you feel this way, but for me, once I finished that first one, it was like it proved to my brain I can do this. And it became so much easier to do it from then on because it's like I somehow like that mental block dissolved and not that it becomes easy by any means but yes i feel like the worries shifted from can i finish a book to a million other things but i don't ever worry about whether or not i can finish a book now (laughs) yes it was funny too because i had i took a lot of writing classes through high school and in college and they all have you outline and the issue i had with that was once i did the outline i felt like i had finished So once I just wrote, it was so much easier for me. And as I'm writing, it's, oh, but what if this happens? And what if I could see so many different scenarios that way that it really made it a lot easier for me to write and finish, like you said, (laughs) actually finish a book. I completely agree. When I started writing back in 2005, it took me 10 years to get to the finish line because I thought I had to plot. Because like yes. when I learned, it was like, oh, to be a real writer, you have to write every day and you have to plot your books. And it was the exact issue that you said of, I told the story. I yep. wrote out the plot and I couldn't push myself through because I was just so bored yes. because I already knew everything. Yes. And now it's, okay, I know what I need to figure out in advance to get me started. But then it's like, I need to leave myself some fun discovery along the way or I just, yes. I'm not well, interested. It really To me, I always feel like every story, you have all these, you come to these whys in the road where if he does, this could happen. Or if this happens, then this can happen. When for me, if I plot it out, I feel like I can't do that because no, if I do that, then it's going to change this and I'm going to have to go back and change this and this. Yeah. Yeah. To me, it's much more free to just write it as I go. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh, I totally agree. (laughs) (laughs) With your writing, you write a mix of angst levels. Some people I've talked to are very like only low angst. Some people are across the board. What draws you to writing low angst when you do choose to make a book on the lower end? Again, it's not that I plan it that way. Mm -hmm. It's just some characters and the way the story leads. A lot of times... There's just not, there's not a story that needs to have more angst to it, I guess you'd say. You know what I mean? Yeah. Some 
you can just see from the characters, you can just feel that this person's going to be trouble. And if this person <laughs> sets it up that way, where you just, I don't know, I can just tell there's going to be more. This is going to be a harder one. These guys are not going to have an easy time, but it's not that way for every story. So, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So what does angst mean to you when you think about low versus high angst? Angst to me, simply, I'll put, I'll make a real simple definition, is if they have to go through like a lot of emotional turmoil and torture to get to their happily ever after. I like that. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense because that's the same thing for me. Like the emotional torture, especially when it's between the people in the relationship. Yeah. Yes. That feels so just, oh. Yes. But I really, I love reading it. I love it. But I don't enjoy a lot of angst and then not a good ending. I cannot mm -hmm. stand, that is my biggest pet peeve with angst. If there's a lot of angst and then, because I've read quite a few where there really is no ending. They kind of leave it up to you. Ugh. And then at the end, you're like turning, is there an epilogue? What happened to this guy? I cannot. And I know some people like that. And I read somewhere one time that an author wrote, she had written a really angsty story. And people were like, oh, but the ending, because it didn't really have an ending. And she said, well, I like to leave it up to the reader. And I thought, I know, I don't like that. <laughs> I want to know. I want to know what you plan for these people. So for me, that yeah. Yeah, that doesn't work for me. That doesn't feel like a romance. Like I, I'm no. a traditionalist with no. that. I'm very much like happily ever after, happily yes. for now is a romance. It can be a love story. It can yes. be a fiction with romance with a romantic relationship. But for genre romance, I very much expect to have a conclusion or yes, just something. I agree. And with yeah. angst, I think I totally agree with you. Like I feel like there's been a couple stories. There's a there's a fan fiction one that really sticks with me <laughs> that was so angsty and the ending did not it just no, it was not satisfying. I feel like I'm yes, still but... a little bit bitter about it because I still <laughs> I live in that pain. And Those was, are the ones oh, that you remember because yeah. it's like how could they do that to me? And Fan yeah. fiction, too, was, were so long. Most of them were written so long. But what I really found out with fan fiction is a lot of people don't know how to end a story. So they'll just yeah. keep writing it, which was fine with me at the time. Yeah. I didn't mind that. But you get where you're like, oh, my God. But seriously, <laughs> at some point, it has to come to an end. Like 500,000 words later, and they're still, I read it anyway, though. Yeah, same. Yeah, but same. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you talked about you reading multiple angst levels. What about tropes? What are some of your favorite tropes to read and write? So I love friends and friends to lovers. Yeah, I love, but I also love enemies to lovers because I love the dynamic that they're they both hate it, but they love it. I just love that, and I like forced proximity. Mm, same forced proximity with enemies to lovers is pretty good <laughs> oh those are probably my favorite i would say oh opposite the track i knew there was oh, another one i yes. had to look at my notes <laughs> i love yes, that one I love too. all of those oh i love where it's like a one-sided enemies to lovers too where one person just i hate you and the other one's hey you don't 
I he love me. <laughs> yes, I love that. Where the other one's clue. That's, yeah. So the last, I think it was my last book I released. That's how. It's just a very sweet romance. It's Peppermint Mocha Kisses. And these two guys, their families always have a cookie swap every Christmas. The one guy has it in his mind that it's a competition and he's, I'm going to win. And everybody's, it's a swap. There's no competition. <laughs> and he sees this other guy as his, he's my big competition. And the other guy's, what cookies are you baking this year? And he's just super <laughs> nice about it. You need help? What are your name? And the guy's, oh, like he hates that he likes this guy. Because the guy's really nice. He can't not like him, but... <laughs> He really sees him as competition. So that was a lot of fun. That is so adorable. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Do you have any low angst book recommendations from your reading? Uh, right now, I'm actually reading To the Moon and Back by Inner Walker. Oh, and that that's so cute. It's super cute. I'm such a slow reader, though, because I only read at night now. And so I'm like halfway through, but it's super cute. Aww. I also, this was kind of, it's an older book. The first one is called Winter Oranges by, uh, oh boy, I can't think of an author's name. But it was because it's slightly paranormal and it does have a little bit of angst, but it's not, it's more that you're worried about the characters because the premise is really different. The one guy is trapped in a snow globe. And so when the other guy sees him, he thinks he's a ghost, but only he can see him. So his friend, when he's telling him about it, just thinks he's he's cracked. He's he's yeah. crazy. There is no one else here. So I love stories like that that are just super clever. You know what I mean? It's not yeah. like the same old thing. It's not really a ghost and it's not it's mm -hmm. not just a regular romance. So that one, those are the last two that I've read, actually. I read the second one in that series and I cannot remember what the name of it was. Marie St. Clair, I think. Marie Claire, maybe? Ooh, sorry about that. I can't remember what the author's name is, but it's called Winter Oranges. <laughs> oh, I'll have to check that out. That sounds great. Yeah, it was good. Nice. <laughs> I would love to start talking about your writing. Can you tell me about your writing process? So like I said, I do not plot. I literally like... I keep a whiteboard and I'll write an idea. And that could be like, man breaks down on side of road and meet someone else. That's literally all I do. And then <laughs> I have to not think about any other story, like the story ahead, because if I start thinking about it, then I want to write it. So I can mm -hmm. only think about what I'm writing at the time, but I don't want, I pretty much write. I don't, I found too, if I go back and self-edit, that slows me down a lot because I'll start changing a lot before it goes before it goes through edits and before I'm finished mm. with it. My poor editor, generally, I send it to her in chunks. I'll write 10,000 words and just send it to her so I don't touch it until it's all done. So, yeah, it's a mess. But, but it works. Yeah, it works. We, we figured out that's what works. That's what works best for us. Nice. Yeah. It feels so good when you start to figure out your process. Oh, yes. Oh. oh, yes, definitely. When I first started, I had a lot of proofreaders, a lot of beta readers, and I found that too, it was too much information for me because then I was like, okay, I have seven people telling me seven different things. 
Yeah. How do I know which one is right? So it just, to me, I found that really stressful, having mm-hmm. almost too much help. Yeah. That makes a lot oh. of sense, especially when they're conflicting and you can talk yes. yourself into, oh, this makes sense. Oh, gosh, maybe this makes sense. And you yes. just keep going back and forth. Like and the, you're like, exactly. a tiebreaker. I need a tiebreaker. Yeah. There were many times that I'm like, okay, I'm pretty sure I just changed the from the other way and now I'm changing it back like a one for like the third time <laughs> I've never so, felt more fickle as a human until I started getting multiple beta reads and I'm just like yeah. back and forth okay <laughs> yes I just can't do it it just does my head in like I do proofreaders I can do that to me is fine but yeah the betas it was like oh this is not good <laughs> it's too much information <laughs> With your stories, I'm curious, where do you get your ideas and inspiration? I get ideas from a lot of different things. Like we, my friend and I have been traveling quite a bit the last couple of years. So I've got a lot of ideas traveling. Or it could just be like someone I see doing something weird. I'm one of those people I always tend to notice strange things. I don't know why that is, but you know how... Someone will point something out to you. I'm the person that usually sees that. Look what that person's <laughs> doing. So I might get an idea from that. I might get an idea from a person that I see that for some reason that person stands out. I have a pretty active imagination. So I like a friend of mine asked me one time, she says, where do you get these ideas? And I said, my brain. <laughs> and she looked at me like, what do you mean? And I said, I just, I don't know. My brain just works that way. I just try to make a story out of diff- different ideas. And I didn't realize other people don't do that. I thought everybody does that, but apparently not. That's a good point, though, because you know? I think I operate a little more like that, too, where I yeah. just keep thinking about something and testing options out in my yes. head. Yes. More than, oh, I met a person, I saw a thing, I read an article, and now I have an idea. But some of the people I've talked to when I ask this question, it's the opposite. Like, oh, I had this experience. A friend had this experience. Yes. I encountered this thing, and these gave me ideas. But I think for me, it's, it's, I also, I do Clifton Strength stuff, and I have high ideation. And so oh, it's just, yes. just thinking, brainstorming, testing ideas, yes. like just all internal. Yes. I saw something recently that said people who don't plot, and I don't know if this is true, but they said they're more a storyteller because they're not guided by anything other than their own imagination of what they're not. Nothing's plotted. So they're just imagining it as they go. And I thought that's true because yeah. I don't know if it makes you a storyteller, but that's my process. Basically, is just as I go, it just becomes more and more real to me. Yes. The people and the plot. So. Yeah. Do you find that you don't fully know your characters until you get to the end? Or do you feel like you have a sense of them before you start writing? It's funny because some characters, as soon as I write them, I know them. And then other characters, I swear, I get to the end and I'm like, wait, what? what, what is this? Guy? <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's kind of, you know how real people are that way, where some people... Yeah. You meet them one time and you remember them your whole life. And other people you see every day and you're like, wait, what's his name? I don't know. It's true. I guess true to life that way. I don't really know. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) 
So we have timed this fun conversation because we are both participating in the Love is All charity anthology that is out now. And so you have a story in this anthology, and I would love if you could tell the listeners about the story. So my story is two new characters that I've known. They're all new. One is Jack, and he's a corporate lawyer, so he has a dry... His work is not all that much fun. And he doesn't really like the holidays. He doesn't like family stuff. So he rents a cabin in Tahoe for Christmas week because he's, I'm just going to go skiing. I'm going to go do my own thing. It'll be great. He goes skiing and it's snowing. This year we had a lot of snow in Tahoe, Mm -hmm. like a crazy amount of snow. So he goes up there and he's in his cabin. This other character, Ronnie is his name, and he designs gear like collars and little pet clothes kind of thing so he his family he has 30 members in his family he has a huge family they always have a huge christmas thing and he just decides i'm not doing it this year i'm going to take my little dog chewy and we're going to go spend christmas in a hotel room in the snow he ends up he slides off and gets stuck in the snow and jack saves them so he takes them to the cabin but then they all these things happen because it can't go smoothly. <laughs> so the power goes out, a tree hits the house, all these things happen. <laughs> I love the idea though, because it does have opposites attract. It does have trapped in a cabin, which I, I love both of those. Oh, same. I love when two characters are very opposite in a lot of ways, but they also have a lot of similarity. So yes. that's how these two are. And they were a lot of fun to write. And I had a lot of people that reviewed it that wanted more. So I'm actually going to expand it. I'm going to do a little short series with them because I just, they were really fun to write and I want to write more of them. Yeah, that's awesome. So I'm excited. I don't know when I'm going to do this, but you know how that goes. (laughs) Yeah. As we're talking, I'm discovering we have a ton in common. But before we started the conversation, one thing I knew we had in common was a love for Christmas and winter romances. Yeah. So can you tell me what draws you to writing these seasonal stories? I think it's just because the season is in some way that is the character. So you can use that in a lot of ways in the story. I love that. I love I. Especially if you have one character that's really into Christmas, like over the top, loves it, and the other doesn't like it. I love that dynamic a lot. I don't know. It's just a fun time to write. And I think there's so many different traditions. There's so many different ideas you can use for holidays. So that, I guess that's why mostly it's just, it's a lot of fun. It's just a lot of fun to write. It is fun. I totally agree with you. (laughs) We also have another thing in common, a love for small town romances. Yes. So you'd previously shared with me that you're from a very small town. Yes. And I'd really love to know just about what you love about small towns and how being from one influences the stories that you write. So I'm from the town I'm from. I used actually in one of my series. So it's the town of Occident is based on the town I grew up in. But when I was there, it was only 600 people. It was really small. So when I go back now, I think it's really quaint and it's really cute. 
when I lived there, I didn't feel that way. <laughs> I didn't wait to leave. So I think in writing about it, I try to use some of that because you're, you are, you're always worried that no matter what you do, everybody in town is going to know what you're doing. I tend to write where people are very accepting in this small town and they're not super nosy. They're not me. There's not the cruelty that you can have in us. Yeah. So I don't, I don't write it that way at all. I write where they're very accepting and very inclusive. So that I enjoy that. I enjoy making it the town that I want it to be. And it's funny because I actually, my history teacher, he has read my book, which I think is just, it. I'm happy he has, but it's a little intimidating. You know what I mean? It's yeah. just funny to me. And then I had someone who I, that I, she used to give me a ride to school when I was in high school. She was like a year or two older than me. And she contacted me on Facebook and said, I saw your book. And so I was kind of like, oh, this is so not good. Because you know how you just don't know what other people will think. And I've tried to be really vague about the town. I don't call it by the name, the actual name. But it's like you could figure it out if you knew the area. But yeah, so it's been, it's, I've really enjoyed writing it though, as that area. And I have a, I almost need to see a place to write about it. And so it's very easy for me to write about the town because mm-hmm. I know, you know, where everything is. So that's yeah. definitely a big plus for me there. <laughs> <laughs> wow. When you said small, like very small, I was not expecting 600 people. Yeah. That is very it's small. small. It's, I think now I looked it up because I'm like, is it still that small? I think it's like 1,200 now, 1,000 or 1,200. Wow. That's a big growth. Yeah. But it's, it's a very, it's a farming community. It still has the big silver water tower in town. That's the big, that's the tallest thing in town. <laughs> when you're driving into town, you can see the whole town from the freeway. <laughs> yeah. It's very small. <laughs> <laughs> So we talked about your love is all story, which sounds so cute. Yeah. And you have your book three in your small town city series, One yes. Last Chance. So yes. that is coming out June 28th, which is right after this episode airs. Can you yes. tell us about that book and series? One Last Chance is Stu's story. And Stu is Andy's brother who you meet in book one, remember when? And they're all the people that are all the characters that are in remember when and try to forget they're all throughout all books so you know how a small town is that way where you know everyone and you might not see them every day but you do you run into them so Stu, he's a single dad and so i i just used him as a character but i didn't really give him a whole lot of substance in remember when so it was fun figuring out so why is he a single dad what happened and andy talks about how he's a real asshole and i'm (laughs) like why is he an asshole and so it was i almost felt like he's someone that i knew but i didn't know him well so i had to get to know him better to write the third book and then he actually meets a guy that is dropped off he's a farmer and that's he loves being a farmer that's all he's wanted to do And he goes to work one day and he sees 
what he thinks is like a pile of clothes on one of the roads as he's driving the harvester to go harvest a field. And it's a person. And he's like, how did you get out there? Yeah, out here. And the guy's, I don't know. I, I was with someone and they dropped me off. So that's how he meets this other character. Oh. And so the, you find out that the other character is from Sacramento. So he's a city guy. He's never, <clears throat> excuse me, he's never been in a small town at all. So it's all new to him. And he's never worked on a farm. <laughs> None of that. So all the whole small town thing is very new to him. And the city is not something the other guy is interested in mm. at all. He's a farmer. He doesn't want to live in the city. So it's them trying to figure out. There's a little mystery like, why, how did he end up out there? Who would do this? Why would he get dropped off out there? And he has no money. He has no phone. But he's dressed in like designer clothes. They He knows he has money. And... Yeah, I just finished writing it actually just a couple of weeks ago. And I was like, oh, my God, I actually really, I like how this turned out. Sometimes you're kind of like, oh, how's it going to go? But I'm pretty happy with how this one ended up. Good. Yeah. So I'm excited for it to come out. Awesome. It sounds so fun. <laughs> Love it. And it sounds like such a great town to visit in a book. Yes. Oh, that's great. Yeah. And you shared a little bit about this already. So you write across a variety of subgenres, so contemporary, paranormal fantasy, urban fantasy. How do you balance the projects and your ideas across those subgenres? So I typically I write, I used to try to write a contemporary and then a paranormal. I leapfrog, stop doing that and do, tend to do a little, I'll either do like I might do two paranormals in a row and then a contemporary or two contemporaries and a paranormal, just breaking up a little bit. But to keep me in that mindset, if I'm really in the mindset, that's the issue that I find is that sometimes I really want to write paranormal and I'm writing a contemporary. You know what I mean? So, yeah. it's, oh, but this isn't what. And I sometimes do write multiple stories all at once, but it's harder for me to write a contemporary and a paranormal at the same time. If I'm writing all paranormal or all contemporary, that's much easier for me. That makes a lot of sense, especially with the world building of trying to go uh, back and forth yeah. would be tough. Yes. So oh, I wow. find, to me, paranormal is pretty easy to write. I've always loved ghosts. Anything with ghosts, I love. So that's easier for me. I have one book that I wrote that's like sci-fi fantasy that's about time travel and that was because it's confusing it's confusing to me as i'm writing it okay when are they when, what is what are they doing it's fun i love that challenge of it, it being different yeah oh, that's great and you have talked about your upcoming release but are there any other teasers about upcoming projects you could share with us or is it still you still figuring some things out or you got secrets? So I'm in an anthology right now that's free. And it's Men of Magic and Myths. I keep mixing it up. I keep saying it the wrong way. And I have a short in that in there that's called Another Night at the Morgue. And it actually ties together because I have one book that I released called The Things We Find. And it's paranormal fantasy. It has so much going on with it. It's one of those books. It's like hard to, it's hard to break down what all is happening in it. 
But this book with Another Night at the Morgue ties together that series and then my ghost series. The guys from that are in it. And these new characters that work at this morgue. It was a lot of fun to write. It's two characters that one of them can see and hear ghosts and hates it, but works <laughs> at the morgue because he he's trying to, he wants to help them, but he doesn't really want to deal with them. And <laughs> they know that he can see them and hear him. So they're always like yelling at it, trying to get his attention. And he has a ghost dog that helps him and protects him from the ghost. So oh, I love that. I know. It just kind of, it was a really fun short to write. So I really want to expand on these guys too. And the other guy, he can feel like he's more of an empath, but he can feel like the pain they were in when they died. Oh, so that's his, but he ends up working at the morgue too. So it's, it's the two. It's the worst job that these two could have, <laughs> but it's also the best job. So they're we'll suffering see together. I love yes. That. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So we'll see where they end up going. Oh, fun. Those kind of sum things up. Can you tell us what people can expect from a B.L. Maxwell story? Uh, I would say characters that you feel like you've met somewhere before. Ooh, but, yeah. yeah. And always the happily ever after. Always. All of my books have... If they're paranormal, any of it, they all have a HEA. Oh, all of them. That's great. I really like that. What's the best way for readers and listeners to learn more about you and your stories and get in touch with you? If you subscribe to my newsletter, and the easiest way to do that is if you, if you go on my website, blmaxwell.com, you can sign up for my newsletter there. Because I send, I have actually a weekly book that I write a chapter every week. Oh, nice. And put it in my newsletter. Yeah, it's unedited. So you get to see how much I need an editor <laughs> when you're reading that. Watching the sausage get made. That's <laughs> right. The hard way. <laughs> it reminds me of fan fiction a lot. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes. So I like that. So every week I give you a chapter and then I actually do two newsletters a week because I'm in a lot of book funnel promos. I post a lot of my friends' books, but they have sales or new releases. So, yeah. If you don't like newsletters, don't subscribe. But yeah, if you want to keep up on it, <laughs> you'll get a lot of info through it. Awesome. And we'll put the link in the show notes so people can awesome. click on it easy. Thank oh, that's you so awesome. much for being here. This has been such uh -huh. a blast talking with you. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you so much for asking me. I've really enjoyed it. It was so much fun chatting with BL. Thanks for joining me in the Low Angst Library. I hope you enjoyed this interview. Is there an author of Low Angst Queer Romance that you'd like me to interview? There's a link in the show notes and on lowangstlibrary.com with a guest suggestion form. And if you're an author writing Low Angst Queer Romance, there's a self-suggestion form in the show notes and on the website as well. A major goal of mine with this podcast is to have guests writing main characters in romance novels that represent identities all over the queer spectrum. So your suggestions will really help me with that. And if you'd like to financially support the podcast to help offset the costs of hosting, editing software, and transcription for accessibility, you can buy me a coffee. The link is in the show notes. Other ways you can support the podcast are sharing episodes with your reader friends, leaving a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or another podcatcher you found the show on. The show is also on social media at Low Angst Library. 
Until next time, keep reading.